Hello, I'm Stuart Preston, and this is the Stoned Ape Reports, where I have conversations with those who have changed their lives with the help of psychedelics. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking with Rebecca. She shares her story of overcoming the deep depression following the birth of her son. She did it working with Iboga, Peyote, and Ayahuasca, who continues to bring her messages. So let's hear from Rebecca. Rebecca, first of all, thank you so much for coming and, and spending your time with me here on the Stone Day Reports. Um, I'm glad to have you. We've interacted a little bit in some of the groups out there. So, so first of all, thank you for doing this. Yes, absolutely. I love doing this. Excellent. So as we discussed, what I like to do is, is go through and kind of hear your story. You know, what, what was going on in your life, uh, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it was that kind of made you realize uh, either consciously or, or unconsciously, subconsciously that you needed to, to change something? And how did you end up, you know, with the medicine, with psychedelics? And what were those experiences like? And then what is life like today? So let's, let's start with kind of what was going on in life, you know, before, before the psychedelics. Um, I, I was going through a major depression, actually. Um, I have experienced depression on and off throughout my life. And this time it was just like the rock bottom type, you know, where um, mm. <clears throat> not getting out of bed, not, I became reclusive. It was, um, and, and I had a young son. So after I gave birth to him, I became very sick. And um, this is well beyond, you know, what they call postpartum. It was mm -hmm. just, it, it was, it was um, devastating. You know, I, I couldn't even function in in ways um everyday ways you know so it, it was a problem and i was motivated though you know i'd go through parts where periods where i was helpless uh feeling hopeless and all of those things but um you know at one point i i think that i was just so desperate that that i did reach out in my mind you know to whatever spiritual or other level of consciousness that might be listening <laughs> to mm. ask for help. And, and that's really when things started to change. And, and how did you reach out and how did, how, what was the response? How did that work out? Um, I just did in my mind one night, I was, I was uh, not only depressed, but I, I was also um, researching for a documentary that I was making and getting into really, you know, a dark, deep politics, and and it was scary, mm. and and um, you know, I felt really kind of unhinged by it all. <laughs> yeah, and and having your head in that place for a long period of time. I mean, um, if you're not depressed, you know, there must be something wrong. So, um, and and I think that I was I, I I came across some random, strange reference that somebody talked about being targeted and that how they dealt with it was that. And so I thought, okay, you know, if there's no, and in my opinion at that time on earth, there was just no remedy. And so yeah. <laughs> we have to go off, off the earth for, <laughs> and I had no appreciation for spirituality. Really. I, I was brought up a Catholic and I just knew, like I rejected that at the age of seven officially mm. in my mind. I knew I was just, this was not for me. I loved the idea of Jesus, but everything else surrounding it uh, was just not for me. I, I questioned it. I knew 
that um and and for me the big thing was that yeah he sounds great why isn't everybody everybody behaving like him why is nobody yeah. behaving anything like him <laughs> this was in catholic school right right and it seems like that was the story they gave you but it was a big bait and switch right they give you the story and then and then what was going on around you was just like mayhem and aggression and 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 just terribly bad behavior so um, that was a strange link in my mind. Spirituality mm. equals all these contradictions, right? Oh, yeah, interesting. So years later, and yeah, um, so years later, there I was reaching out, and and I, unlike you know previous my previous experience of spirituality, you know I didn't know that there was these alternative ways of looking at this. It never really appealed to me, but you know um, philosophy did. So I was fairly open minded and. At that point, it was desperation that was really driving it. And so I just reached out and said, hey, if there's anyone or anything out there, you know, uh, I need help. Um, please help, you know. And after that, I just started to stumble across these um, ways of getting out of the situations that I was in that was causing so much harm. So one of them was the medications that I was on that I hated and I didn't mm. want to be on them. They weren't effective, clearly. And and there was this horrible feeling of, of, um, of being so uh, kind of enslaved by them. They were difficult to get off. Um, they are difficult to get off. Yeah. And the way that it happened for me was very unusual. I tried to before. And, and when I tried to get off these depression medications before, I started to think, wow, I wonder if this is what heroin addicts experience mm. when to get off because it was it was horrible and I'd do anything to stop it and I'd get back on it and you'd feel like you're you know imprisoned by it. So um, one day after reaching out in my mind, I just came across this a documentary and it was all about nutritional supplements. It wasn't really about this, but they did cover you know some supplements that were good for depression. And strangely enough, and I don't recommend this really, but for me, it worked. I I went cold turkey, like overnight, I ended my medications and started the next day on really high levels of certain uh, uh, certain supplements that were recommended for uh, depression. I had no side effects. This is unheard of. Wow. Yeah. So that was one thing that happened. And then I read somewhere about energy healing. And again, like these are things that in the past I would have just like completely not been open to, but suddenly, mm -hmm. you know, desperation can really open you up pretty quickly. <laughs> and, uh, and there I was, you know, I went and met with this guy and this energy healing was very unusual. Um, you know, he stood across the room from me and just sent energy my way. And my body just started moving in all these strange ways. And and I learned how to get out of the way and, and let it just happen, which was very, I never did anything like that before. And, and the very idea that that was happening and I was witnessing it and experiencing it was to me, you know, such a profound thing that I, I had to understand how's this going on, right? Mm -hmm. So I went back and put my research, you know, cap on and started to dig and discovered that um, energy healing had its roots in shamanism. So huh. then I pursued shamanism, thought, okay, I have to learn about that. And these were the kinds of traits that, that you know, I, I used in my documentary research that I started to apply to getting me well, you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and which was great. Switching gears like that was just 
Absolutely. And I dropped all of that because I realized that that was just harming me. I dropped the research. I dropped the documentary project and just focused on getting well because suddenly I realized this was possible. There were things out there that I just didn't know about. And all I had to do was was dig and pursue. And and so I did. I, I, I found um, I started, you know, studying uh, shamanism with this organization that was, you know, uh, very reputable. And um, and we, we did workshops where you actually, you know, start doing the work right away instead of theoretical, which was perfect for me because I'm terrible with the theoretical stuff. I want to actually do mm. it, you know. Yeah. And, but I couldn't journey like this was this is the basis of, of shamanism is connecting with this this other level of consciousness and uh, and and I wasn't able to do it and and it's I'm not terribly surprised now looking back I was on medications for so long that really you know locked things up that opening up was going to take some some effort so um, mm. we were uh, but I I could the divination stuff came remarkably easy and I was still in this state of like open curiosity I wasn't I didn't decide I have to believe this is true or I don't believe it I was just in this open curious state of I don't know mm. any of this stuff I'm just willing to experience what I experience and I was very surprised at the things that happened and by the end of that first um, workshop, I was like, hey, I, I said to this guy who was teaching, like, I can't do this. You know, you're asking me now to go and journey on behalf of another person. I haven't been able to do it myself. So he decided to step in and uh, and do that on my behalf. And, uh, and this exercise that we were doing at that time was uh, connecting me with my helping spirit it was interesting because, again, you know, I, I didn't believe in any of these things, but I did not believe. I just, they were completely beyond my experience. And and I didn't care about any of it. I just wanted to get well, you know. And mm -hmm. if this was where it led me, great. I was going to go for it. Um, and, and at this I point, are we talking about psychedelics at all? Or is this a, a still kind of energy work? Not yet. This was okay. all. Um, because a lot of these medicines we have learned, you know, have their history in shamanism. And this was okay. pure um, journeying, um, you know, working with our own level of consciousness and changing it with sonic drumming and intention and, and with the help of these allies that we come to know through medicines, but are, they're already there, you know, and, mm -hmm. and some people have been working with them for some time. So the instructor uh, is a shamanistic practitioner who already was working with these, with these, whatever you want to call it, spirits, um, levels of consciousness, entities, angels, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever appeals to you, right? <laughs> it's it's right. just our looking at it. that That's the difference. Right. And so, um, and so then you have access to to work with them. But again, I'd been medicated for so long. It just took a while. And I remember I was having so much difficulty at one point. I said to him, look, nothing's happening. You know, we lie down and, you you know, you take us, you recommend we, we take this journey in our mind and start with this imagery. I can't even do that, you know. And, and he's looking me in the eye and he's saying, so nothing happened. Absolute blackness, nothing. And I started to shrug and he said, what happened there? Why were you shrugging? I said, well, at one point I kind of, you know, feel like I may have been in the stars. And he just says, there you go. You know, that's it. And I'm like, hmm. well, everybody else is describing all these natural, you know, <laughs> idyllic places. And, and, and I didn't think that, you know, and he goes, and for you, it's the stars, you know. 
which yeah. really surprised me. And it did happen. It's just that uh, because my mind was so unaccustomed to any of this, it almost edited it out. It almost said, you know, that couldn't be. Uh, but when he asked me and prodded, you know, I remembered and and it came back, you know, and it really did mm -hmm. happen. But wow. we do tend to reject these things sometimes when we have no frame of reference to it whatsoever, right? Right. So it does take a while to get through those attitudes and preconceived notions in our mind and and what's possible. So in the end, he he did this a whole shamanic procedure where he connected me with a helping spirit uh, in the form of, of a bird. And I actually, when he was performing it, my chest got lighter and... Um, I just had this sense of fluttering, but I, I, again, you know, I just kind of said, okay, that may have happened kind of thing. Right. And then we went into one final journey. And this time, um, not only did I have some visuals, and this is, again, blindfolded with your eyes closed, very similar to some of these, you know, uh, medicine journeys. And, uh, and I, heard, I heard the sound of a bird. And I shot up and sat up immediately and whipped off my hmm. <laughs> my um, blindfold and looked around the room. And I was trying to find a logical explanation for what I was hearing. I actually looked at people's feet to see if they were wearing shoes that might have squeaked together, you hmm. know, the rubber. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it was crazy how much my mind really needed to be able to explain this away in yeah. some logical way, you know, but... Uh, people were in their stocking feet and there was nobody wearing those, that kind of rubber that could have created that sound. Like it wasn't, it just, it wasn't a thing. And so um, I thought, okay, this is interesting. And I walked away dazed and confused and wasn't quite sure what took place really. Um, but then I, at night, I, I was still, you know, wanting to continue to heal this depression, knowing that even though, I started to feel a lightening of things uh, that there was work to do. So at night, I, you know, my only frame of reference to spirituality was praying at night, you know, something you could do without going to a church, which I was no mm. big fan of. And so there I was at night going to bed and I reached out in my mind to this spiritual entity helper or whatever and said, Hey, you know, like if you're there <laughs> and then mm -hmm. I'd, ask a question or and my dreams started to change and I could tell that there was this attempt to communicate with me you know hmm. there was <laughs> my dreams you know I could tell that they were you know showing me things and there was a lot of symbolism and I, I started to look that up you know what does a baby owl mean what is and then the next night I would say okay so I'm kind of in my baby stage of gaining this wisdom is that right you know and and i'd get a response you know and and at one point <laughs> i remember going to sleep and I, it was like a full conversation i'd say things like uh okay so last night i got some ideas but you know i'd really like to um get more clarity and understand more you know what you're trying to say to me and then i had a dream that had all subtitles <laughs> really <laughs> yeah but i couldn't read them <laughs> uh. But I knew they were there and it made me laugh because I just thought they have a pretty good sense of humor. You know, there was a whole mm -hmm. character behind this presence, whatever it was. And and I, I I would get these insights throughout the day when I would think about what I perceived as problems at the time, what I was struggling with. 
And I would get these insights, but they weren't like a full-on voice. It was just these concepts would arrive in my mind, these kind of downloads of, you know, understanding humanity better and understanding our, our difficulties and understanding the harshness of the experience that we're having. And, you know, at one point I'm like, oh my God, humanity's horrible. I hate humanity, yeah. <laughs> you know? And this, this, the response was no, you know, that's, that's not appropriate um, and, and not helpful and, and, and not accurate really, you know? And then it just continued to unfold that we need to, to be more loving and it's okay that we're growing into it and, and all of that. But there wasn't a, there wasn't a verbal, dialogue it was more like my curiosity and then a, a downloaded concept you know but it was mm -hmm. like that there was a relationship developing there and then so I, I knew I needed I was still struggling with depression but I, I was seeing that there was a light at the end of the tunnel and I was starting to move through this you know growing stage and and just started to continue to do research and explore about alternative methodologies and uh, came across Evoca. And so one night again, as was my practice now, before I went to sleep, I'd ask, so is this for me, you know? And I got this, and this happened a lot too, is as I was falling asleep, when my eyes were closed in that theta state just before full on sleep, I'd get visuals when my eyes were closed and the visual that came was, uh, was first I got this great, spectacular, psychedelic show, you know, it was colorful wow. and animated and beautiful, like, you know, every gorgeous piece of art from the 60s, all animated and moving and changing, and it was just so beautiful. And then right after that, I saw a very serious close-up of Blades of Green Grass, and at that time, it was like the dead of winter. Um, and so my, and my, this was the answer to my two-part question, is Iboga for me and when will I do it? And I did not like the second part. You know, the first part felt like, yes, it's for me. But the second part was, you know, you're going to have to wait till spring. And I'm like, I decided mm -hmm. to misinterpret that. And I tried like hell for months to make this happen. <laughs> All went so spectacularly wrong time and time again until finally I almost gave up. And then suddenly I found this place that I hadn't seen before that just felt much better than the other options I was considering. And boom, everything fell into place just after, you know, the snow finally disappeared. That was the longest winter. And as everything was falling together, I noticed that, you know, for the first time there was green grass outside, you know? <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. And so that was my first um, introduction to psychedelics was Iboga was like this big one, but um, it was good because I needed it. It was very good for depression to just like really um, shake you out of that, that deep dark state. And also I had really come to understand in the months preceding that, that it really was all about me understanding uh, me fo focusing on myself and, and, uh, changing my own attitudes and ideas and and just continuing to focus there. It wasn't about the world. It wasn't about anything or anybody else. It was about me. And and so that was good training for Iboga. Excellent training. <laughs> good, good. Is, is, that, is that so your very so first experience was with Iboga? Yes, it was. Yeah. I mean other That's than quite an introduction know. to psychedelics. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank God for the shamanic training leading up to that because yeah, it was yeah. it's so important because it's quite, uh, yeah, that's quite a, a powerful teacher. And it really does strip you naked, you know, it shows it yourself and there's no mm. looking away. And, uh, and, and it can, it can be very ugly. Like you, you know, they're not there to pussyfoot around. They're there to, um, to really even, you know, shock you into, you know, putting your attention where it needs to be, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that certainly happened. And, uh, so I saw a lot of that. I saw um, a lot of like, it's, it's a very busy experience, Iboga. You see like just all these things coming at you. It's, it's very, you know, weird um, because you're not sure what to do and what to focus on. People in your life sometimes show up. I was just, I had no clue what to do. Why the significance Were there people of there guiding you or assisting you or, or anything? Um, they were there. But this was less assisted, and I've had experiences since that were more guided, but there's long periods where you're left on your own. And it seems like I wasn't intended to really go that route, even though there are certain protocols, such as um, they want, uh, there's part of the experience that traditionally they take you through, um, uh, you, they take you to your house, they, they take you um, to your ancestors, all these things. It failed both times with me. Um, and, and, but I had my own experience, right? So, um, part of the protocol at one point is to, yeah, to find your home in your mind and you have to kind of search your mind and then you have a visual of it. And then, you know, you have to find certain people in your life and, and, and have this guided experience for me. It, it's just, it never went that way. I, I would go into a home and then suddenly I'm like going through, flying through all these hallways of all these different homes. And they're like, what's happening? I'm like, I'm flying through all these hallways. Mm. And this guy says, don't go through a door. And I'm like, oh my God, I was flying toward the end of this hallway at high speed and it had an opening at the end. And it was really interesting though, because at the very end of that hallway, immediately in response to what my guide told me not to do, shutters appeared to say, hmm. hey, don't worry, it's not a door. You can go yeah. through it. Interesting. And I, yeah, like it's it's a very interactive thing. So I shot through that and I ended up in the stars. Wow. Um, yeah, again, and it, it was actually a beautiful experience. It felt really, it felt like home. It felt very nice, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, my idea of the stars growing up and as an adult was that was a very physical thing like wow it must be so cold and you know I, I didn't I mean it was very charming to look at them from you know at the night and very romantic and everything but the idea of being up there I was associated with machinery and rockets and you know mm -hmm. spacecraft and I was never the type of person that would go for sci-fi films or anything like that so it surprised me a great deal that this theme kept revealing itself in, in these yeah, ways yeah. So, um, and then at one point, you know, many things happened, obviously, you know, jarring things, but um, I did trust and know that, that there were reasons for it and that, and that I would work it out eventually. And, and I had a sense that I was connecting with this, whatever you want to call it, this spirit of, you know, mm -hmm. Iboga. And in fact, he showed up. Um, so this figure appeared and I knew it was him. I knew it was, you know, what people were to as Iboga because sometimes these these they show up as you know right 
And so he did. And he was this like crazy little character that was, he looked like a, something from a children's book, but animated um, with all these little cutout pieces together to make a comical little face and huh. funny little, little character. And I, I knew it was him and it was almost like, you know, uh, in the Wizard of Oz, this guy coming from behind the curtain, you know, and 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 I didn't, and and because he'd showed me all these horrible things, um, I didn't know whether to pummel him or hug mm -hmm. him. But you know, <laughs> there I was with yeah. these conflicted feelings, and he was being so silly, and it was good because it was it lightens you up, like it's all very intentional. Um, yeah. So after that, wow. yeah, it was a big experience, and uh, yeah, it sounds like it did it. Uh, how how did you feel in terms of, you know, your, your depression or stuff that was going on in your life, you know, did you come out of the aboga experience with some changes or some insights, anything like that to work on at that point? It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, one thing about iboga is that for a lot of us, it gives us this absolute like quantum leap into good feelings, especially when you haven't had them for so long. And it was, it would buoy me up to the point where I could do things that, you know, I, I went from having difficulty getting out of bed to like the top five stressors in the average person's life. Um, you know, separating from my partner, um, selling my home, putting my child into finding a new one on my own. Um, you know, the breakup, finding a new school for my child and putting him into school for the first time. Like all of these major events happened within six months of this experience. And I was able to do that, you know? Wow. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a pretty big change. But of course, after all that, I was pretty, um, you know, it used up all of that energy that I was given and I knew it was time to, to explore other um, options, other medicines. And so I looked for ayahuasca. Um, I was going to Mexico on a spiritual retreat um, uh, and not to do with medicines, but um, to go to Teotihuacan and explore, you know, the uh, pyramids there and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so at the same time, I thought, well, I'm in Mexico. I may as well explore ayahuasca options there. There are tons. But at the time, I couldn't find any. And, and there's a hmm. reason for that. And I, and I started to trust it, you know. Um, I remember yeah. that, you know, when it came to Iboga and me trying to force it before it was, you know, ready to happen, that it was just kind of a waste of energy. And I thought, I have very little of that now, so <laughs> I'm going to use it yeah. well. And And I did stumble across peyote instead and I thought okay this is this is what I'm meant to do and that was uh that was a really dark experience um it was very was it? scary yeah for me it was um very dark and very scary but it was necessary it was one of those things that you know had to happen yeah. to just move me beyond something there have been a couple of key experiences that have had to do with moving beyond um this a harsh intellectual uh, barrier that that I had, you know, um, mm. yeah, and and it was pretty, it was it was causing all kinds of problems, you know, and I just I really had to deal with it. They were just like, you, you have to get over this if you want to achieve the things that you know your intentions reflect. And um, and and one of my big intentions there was to uh, was to tap into that personal power. Um, you know, from the very beginning, my questions were all about how do I, 
you know, deal with this or that, especially depression or, you know, solve this mm -hmm. problem. And the answers were always, yeah, they're, you know, everything you need is in, in you, you know. Yeah. It's like, that, that's great. Show me how to tap into that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and that became my intention for everything, you know, it was always that. And so it always went really deep and, um, and into this core stuff that was, that was preventing me from really opening up. And so it was a very dark experience. I was almost enticed into this intellectual discussion with the facilitator. And I, I you know, you really think you're getting somewhere, you know, you really <laughs> you're on and mm -hmm. just going in these big circles and there was almost like you know a mocking effect of this this darkness i was descending into where it was showing me that you know it's a very impressive circle and it goes mm. absolutely nowhere it just brings you right back to where you began and it's yeah. you know it's not helping you and and then i descended into you know a hell-like state like it was just so dark wow. and empty cold yeah. and, that's scary yeah yeah it was but you know I, I woke up the next day and I knew, I just knew that something important had happened and I, I wasn't feeling victimized or any of those things. I, I just, I was just really, I knew, I knew something really important was going on there. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. do, do you know and what it was or did it take more medicine journeys to find that out? Um, you know, I think that, I, and there's levels of this knowing too, right? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Part of me knew it, but I hadn't really quite, um, I didn't need to know it all. I, I just felt it. Um, and later when I had another experience about shedding yet another layer of this attachment to, you know, intellectualizing things, um, that was just such a full release that it was like, oh, thank God I got rid of that. That was an ayahuasca one where I just threw oh, up yeah. all night. Everybody like in the ceremony came to me the next morning going, oh, poor you. And I'm like, no, you have no <laughs> idea how good that felt. Like that just felt so good. Like that so yeah. had to happen. And, I, and I'm, and the next day I'm just like, I, I feel like a million bucks compared. I mean, I was exhausted, but right. I said, no, I was happy for every single time that that happened. Every because, purge had some good yes. effect. Oh, it felt so good to get rid of all that crap. <laughs> that Wonderful. was great. Yeah. yeah. But that was kind of like, uh, well, over like a couple of years later, because um, after peyote, I came home and then ayahuasca was ready for me. You know, these things I just got a sense of. Um, and uh, um, there were some really interesting, very magical things going on between all of these experiences, like this kind of guidance that I had you know, with the shamanic stuff, just kept on going. I'd close my eyes at night and I'd get visuals and they'd just be leading me, always leading me where I needed to go. And um, I remember before that peyote ceremony, um, part of the ritual was you offer something up, some token that you're offering to this medicine. And in my mind, instantly, I knew it had to be this jade crystal I had at home. Hmm. And this jade crystal I bought, um, on a chain and it was for dousing, you know, because I wanted answers mm -hmm. and I saw someone else use it and I thought, yeah, let's do that. And it never worked for me and I just didn't feel comfortable with it. And, um, but, but I, I knew it was in my backpack and I thought, oh, great. Or I thought I did. And I almost tore it apart and like, you know, it wasn't there. Um, and then this thought came to me that I had to bury it. 
And I'm like, all right, all righty. <laughs> it's not here, but I know I got to bury it. Meanwhile, the facility is saying, ah, it doesn't matter here. Buy something in the town from the craftspeople who, who live here, you know, all peyote related artisans, you know, it'll be great. So I did that. I bought this lovely, you know, bracelet. I thought contributing to the economy of this place is, I feel good about that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Went up to the mountain and I put it in my backpack, <laughs> went up the mountain and the ceremony is about to begin and it was nowhere to be found. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, it's because this presence kept saying to me, look, you know, what needs to be done. You know, it's this crystal, you know, you got it at home, you know, you need to bury it. All this other stuff. Sure. We'll just, you know, you know, things will just happen the way they do. You know, you're going to be yeah. prevented from going along with what other people are telling you to, so that you can know that, that these thoughts that you're having, these downloads are actually really true. They're important, you know? Mm -hmm. So the facilitator said, look here, I'll just give you this and this will be your thing. But in my mind, I knew what it was and what I had to do. And so then I flew home eventually after all that, um, started doing some auto writing then too. Like I'd be woken in the middle of the night and started to auto write. And it was very interesting what was coming out at all, helping me sort through a lot of um, the concerns I had about the world after doing all that, you know, deep investigations for the documentary mm -hmm. that was never made. And it was really good. It was really, it was really helpful. It was so helpful because these things did plague me, you know, and, and part of my depression, sure, you know, and I'm sure it always has been like, I'm learning now that there's, you know, we're all very unique. And there was a reason why I've been concerned about the state of things in a larger sense in the world for, you know, since I was a child, it's, it's not everybody's thing, but, but for me it was. And yeah, that's why some of these healings had had something to do with that. And anyway, I flew home and I couldn't bury this damn crystal because huh. it was the mid of winter again. The, the ground was frozen. But um, I started to look for ayahuasca retreats and I found, I, I actually consulted with the, a do, another documentary filmmaker who made a very famous film, the, the, the Soul of the Vine or The Vine of the Soul. I can't remember which... I always get those two mixed up. But anyway, yeah. he recommended uh, three places. And one of them was the Temple of the Way of Light. And so I went there and had a, a magnificent experience. Like, uh, I, I've always loved the jungle, the idea of it. I don't know why. Um, lot, a lot of people are afraid of it. But ever since I was a kid, like, I, I just fascinated with the idea. Um, even though my mom was like terrified of it, told me stories about army ants attacking people. Like this couple she knew went there and, you know, went, they went to, you know, go to the bathroom in like the, in, in the jungle and these army ants attacked them. And all I could think of was, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like, this is horrible. And for me, it was like, no, this is an adventure I have to have. And well, I mean, not the army ants, thank God, but, you know, just being there in that, environment and sure enough when I arrived in this place in Peru and deep in the jungle I just felt like it was alive and it was welcoming me and embracing me and I'm not the only one I've heard other people talk about this where everything around you feels like it's just you know drawing you in and and it felt like home it felt so much like home wow. yeah and I felt so much at home that 
I even wanted to go barefoot, like immediately mm. I had this desire to take off my shoes, right? Mm -hmm. And I resisted because my brain was kicking in saying, no, you can't do that. That's, you know, rah, rah, rah. Right, that brain, right. that part of myself that I know that I've learned to ignore more and more and then just dissolve. Um, but it's funny because, you know, the ants did show up in my story too because the next morning they took over my shoes and so I couldn't wear them. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. So I gave a, they gave me permission basically to go, you know, barefoot for three days and just feeling, you know, that soft jungle floor. It was beautiful. I just loved it. I, I was nice. felt so yeah. And uh, and in my first ceremony, ayahuasca showed up and she was like this big, magnificent looking um, insect. Huh. And she embraced me and um, she said, you're one of us. And um, and I, her torso was all this shapibo uh, kene, like the um, that that design that they weave into all of their uh, cloth and and all of their art, and uh, and it was moving. And huh. so I fo I focused on one part of it, and it changed as I focused on it. And it seemed to me to kind of indicate that the power of the mind, you know that we do have an impact on those things that we're focusing on and that we're, yeah, yeah. that where our focus is and what we're thinking about. And, and so, yeah. And, um, and it was, uh, it was such an intimate experience. Every ceremony was terribly personal and intimate and, and they were just seemed to be, you know, welcoming me, uh, teaching healing and indicating that I would be working in that, in that arena. And, I was very nervous about that idea because I was such a novice and I, I said so in my mind, like this dialogue kicked in right away and it was very like you and I talking, but they were using, of course, my inner voice, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so at one point I said, can you use a voice outside of me, you know? Because <laughs> see, I seem to still need to be convinced that this was not just me making stuff up, you know? Right. I mean, we go through this these levels where we just need you know confirmation or we try these little tricks to convince ourselves more or test it out anyway this was one of the things that i tried and the voice came back saying and it's always from the position of we so it seems to be this collective that's communicating with me and they said hmm. um and they said we have to use your voice it's a good one use it well hmm. that's and, a lesson uh, yeah. Oh, well, this has come up a lot. Like even with Iboga, one of my big questions was, um, and with Iboga, you are asked to ask questions. So this is very much a part of that ritual. And so one of my questions was, what is my purpose? And the answer came in the form of two microphones, you know, hanging in front of me. And one of them was this, you know, round universal, you know, microphone. And the other one was an oblong one. And then, and and I went back into ceremony with Iboga and actually asked the questions: How do I use my voice to serve my purpose? It's it's almost this endless need of confirmation, right? And then the same microphones, you know, presented themselves, and the round really? one said, "Yeah," and the round one said, "Speak," and the oblong one said, "Sing." So it, this using my voice thing was just is a constant, you know, and and it's taken me a while because of you know, how I grew up and 
not feeling like I had a voice as much when I was younger and almost feeling like sometimes when I used it, it could, you know, put me in danger and it, it's just the, the general atmosphere. And yeah. I, I was the youngest, you know, so, um, you know how these hierarchy of families work. Right? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. So, and it, it was, I was very intimidated by the idea. So it's taken a lot of work. It still does. Um, as you know, I have a podcast, so, <laughs> and I've been just. Do you talk? Oh yeah, yeah. I finally got around to doing it, but tell, I'll tell you, it took a lot of harangue on that part of this voice. So, huh. this, this voice, when they indicated to me, you know, you'll you'll be doing this work. Um, I I reacted with, I can't. I'm I don't know anything. I, I'm just a novice, you know. And they said, "Don't worry, we'll come with you." Huh. And so it was like, oh, okay. And then after this retreat was over and I flew home to Toronto, um, the ground was no longer frozen and I buried the crystal mm. and this voice kicked in at home, this dialogue. And it's continued from that day. So tell me about what is that dialogue? So that with the, the ayahuasca spirits, they continue to speak with you? Yes, they do all the time. Yeah. And are they are they giving you lessons? I mean, what when they speak to you, what what are they saying? What what's going on there? Uh constantly lessons. <laughs> wow. Yeah. At the beginning it was uh it was a little overwhelming. It was wonderful. I mean, I thought I'd won the lottery, you know. Um mm -hmm. it was uh I remember the very first thing that happened was I was in the shower and I was looking at my feet, and I remember one of the facilitators in the retreat. Uh, commented on the fact that I went barefoot saying that's so healthy and so amazing. Do you know that yeah. we have more pores in our feet than anywhere else in our body? And I went, Oh, wow, that's interesting. Filed it away. Fast forward. I'm at home in the shower, looking at my feet, thinking of this and, and wondering about it. And this voice kicks in saying, that's how they knew how to get home. And they were hmm. talking about, you know, early indigenous ancestors that navigated their world in that way. Interesting. And they, they conveyed that history lesson to you. Yes. So that was the introduction. It's like, oh, God, they're there. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's quite an introduction. And now, now they're, they're there regularly. Are they, are, are they helping you? So I guess, I guess my question from that whole experience, I mean, from the, the aboga, in the the dark peyote to the ayahuasca um like one big journey how did you how, how have you come out the other end i know ayahuasca is still with you and still talking to you but as you look at your life today obviously you, you found some purpose with your voice and you're exercising that that purpose how do you feel when you look at today versus back with that that deep depression you were experiencing it's it's impossible to really kind of relate to it, you know. It's not Can't as though relate. I, it's like a whole different person. It is, and it's not as though I don't have periods where I feel down. I certainly do, you know. Right. Um, and it's just uh, the things that I've experienced since then, and understand and know, and the responsibility that I have to myself. That's a whole that that was that was big, and and I think that that's another thing that is really changing us. And when I mean us, it's like, this is going to have the biggest impact on society, I believe, because it shifts the responsibility from everybody else to us. 
And all these medicines support that. And when you, when you say to us, what do you mean by us? I mean, as individuals, we have a responsibility uh, to ourselves to change our lives. And I think that, uh, you know, there's been the way that that we, we look at things, the way that we're taught things from a very young age about um, how life works and, you know, who's responsible for what in our lives. There's not this focus on our responsibility to ourselves. Yeah. Um, there's not this focus on self-love and understanding and exploring ourselves and all these things. We learn about everything externally and we don't learn a damn thing about ourselves. We're not even encouraged to really. And that is so utterly fundamental to our well-being. And I think we're starting to get that now. Oh, wow. That's important. <laughs> you yeah. know? So this is going to change us as, as a species this is going to change humanity completely. And when you say it's going to change us, that, that sounds like a very optimistic view of where we're going with psychedelics' role in, oh, a, yeah. in, our, in our lives. It's exploding. It's exploding yeah. because of the same reasons I did and you and many others. We find ourselves in situations where we can't cope because we haven't had that, that grounding. We haven't hmm. been oriented towards understanding ourselves um, how to be with ourselves in healthy ways, how to be with others in healthy ways. We're falling apart, seriously, mm -hmm. big time. And that has to happen. So my depression had to happen so that I could heal. I had to see how badly things were not working so that I could be motivated to make them work. Interesting. So it had to happen to to bring you essentially to psychedelics, to the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been brought to my knees on many levels ever since. And I see the same pattern. It's like, I get it. I got to see how, how absolutely this is not working so that I can choose to go in a different direction. Yeah. So even though I have this voice, it doesn't mean I don't continue to learn by experience. <laughs> yes. So life still happens. Yes. Oh, totally. For sure. It's, you know, and this is the lesson that you can know something intellectually, but to apply it is, is, is really where the rubber hits the road. And, and that's a process, you know, and it takes time and, and these lessons are going to happen in, in ways that we might not always like, you know, um, yeah. but, but they're very effective and we're all having a very customized experience. This life, it is the ceremony. Life is the ceremony. Mm -hmm. And as we go through, we, we, we drink the medicines or, or eat the medicines or whatever, and it helps us get that grounding, get grounded to earth and, and understand the self-love and, and really uh, teaches us those lessons as we, if we open up to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's huge too, you know, um, because we are creating our experience. So if we shut that down, then yeah, we don't have access to it, you know, yeah. and, and we make those decisions all the time without knowing it really. Yeah, that makes sense. So I have a couple of questions about medicines and psychedelics in general. Before I get to that, did you have anything else along this path, you know, this, this story so far that you wanted to, to get to and get out? You know, um, I, I'd like to open something up because, you know, in our earlier discussion, um, you had mentioned that you had an experience with ayahuasca where she came to you and said, I am you. And yeah. I had intimate experience where ayahuasca came as a collective saying, you are one of us. Mm -hmm. And then most recently in early 2020, I went, I returned to, um, 
to Peru. And, uh, and then this voice said, you are our daughter. So yeah. there's, and, and I just wanted to, you know, kind of say that everybody's going to have their own experience of this. It's not laying some claim to some lofty thing. Hmm. We are all so much more than what we imagine ourselves to be in, in this life. So we all have a larger existence and consciousness beyond this, this little experience that, that seems pretty big to us. And, yeah. and it's very mysterious and ego plays no role there. And trying to fathom it with our minds the way they are is a difficult thing and trying to house it in, in the concepts that we tend to invest in a great deal in this life, like hierarchies and who's better than who, it's not going to work. And, and it's, it's just going to actually, you know, really dim that experience and turn it into something it is not. Yeah, it's ironic. We, we, see, uh, we see a lot of that in the, the psychedelic community, a lot of ego, yeah. ironically. You know, it's one, I think one of the most ironic things you see out there is ego death, you know, massive dose, you know, and it's, it's, it's just like, buddy, that's your, your ego is talking. Well, yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I, I, I hate using that word. And the reason why I don't like to use the word ego is because we all think of it in different ways. And, you yes. know, there's, there's very different ideas of what that may be. Another thing is that <laughs> there's a lot of people who, um, who go into the experience and they really need to understand um, how their ego is interfering in ways in their lives. Like with me, it was the intellectualism. Mm -hmm. But in other ways, I needed to really invest heavily in my own sense of self and really feel better about that. And it actually, you know, pump up my ego a little bit. So there was a balancing act that I had to do. And other people who had other problems and had to, you know, tone it down, you know, uh, might perceive my experience from their own standpoint and, and you know, think, oh, well, and th this is where we, we fall apart, you know, where we're trying to apply our own lessons to someone else. It's not, it's not always valid. And most of the time, it's completely way off. We are so unique. And, and, and what, you know, our path with these medicines is highly, highly customized. And really, the best use of our energy is to focus on ourselves and our own path, not what that mm -hmm. guy's doing, whether he should or shouldn't be doing it, or yeah. that woman, whatever. It's us. In fact, when we start to feel that way, pay attention to why, you know, start to explore that. So why am I feeling that person should do this? You know, why am I jealous or upset or angry or whatever? Those are important triggered feelings. Feelings are, you know, when you start to follow that, you learn a lot about yourself. And that's what you really want to do because you're the one experiencing this life, right? Yeah. The, the feelings of uh, discomfort, confusion, anger, or could be a sign to something that you're learning or, or need to learn. Yeah. And you don't need to wallow in it. Like um, just open curiosity is like my best recommendation. I remember um, before I went to, uh, to Peru again this time, um, I was just feeling this deep confusion and, and it started to feel very sad and heavy. And I reached out into my mind to this voice and, and, and just said, I'm just, I'm really genuinely so confused. And they're saying, well, don't stay there. You know, mm. ask us then. If you're confused, ask us. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't get away with anything. 
Yeah, <laughs> telling so it seems you. like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was easy. Ask. Yeah. And and the thing is that I'm I had to recognize that I'm not always ready because this could be like a 24 hour thing. And it is like I go into my dream and it doesn't end. Right. Mm-hmm. And I drive it all. So I can't really blame that on anyone. I don't want to. I just I know that I'm driving it. It does take a lot of mental energy up during the day and night to to do this. And there are times I need to just take a breather, go, okay, um, I'll try not to wallow in my confusion and just get on with my day. And when I'm ready to ask that question that's going to address that confusion, I'll do it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the whole process of learning about yourself and, and finding that place to to love yourself. Sure. Yeah. And, based. and you know, like magical things are possible. We, we experience this all the time. And there's a tendency to really attribute these things to that pill that you take or that substance or whatever. But time and time again, and I'm not the only one that experiences this, many of us, before we even ingest a thing, we have these really magical experiences outside of ingesting anything. And I'm having them all the time, but there was like a series of them at the beginning that you know, started to acclimatize me to that experience. But the more, again, we open up to this possibility, it's astounding what we can achieve and accomplish in our lifetime and, and, and what we can experience and what's possible with these relationships we're developing with these spiritual allies. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> so somebody's out there listening to this. I mean, uh, you do have been head first, starting with a boga, you know, if somebody's out there and is dealing with depression um, having hard times, whatever, whatever their, their challenges, what, what general advice would you give somebody who may be feeling the, the draw to these medicines? Um, you know, when I, when we say do research, it is true that it's helpful, but also follow how you're feeling. Um, so don't let your head take over. Um, there are times when you can see, you know, all these people say this great thing about this one medicine, but there's something inside of you going, just not really warming up to the idea. And, and then there's other times where, you know, you, you might find something else and, and you'll like start to connect with your feelings. And I know it's hard when you're depressed and all disconnected and everything, but it'll happen and open up. That's the most important thing is to open up to what is right for you. Cause it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. So this one sort of thing applies to all it's just we're starting to get that that's just really unhealthy and and kind of abusive you know <laughs> it's yeah. not respecting how, how truly and beautifully individual we all are and and you know you'll find your way you know create that intention open up and you know and this is a difficult thing but you know try to use your energy in that direction and not in the direction of poor me and i'm suffering and that repeating that over and over again um Mm -hmm. start to use as much energy as you have even if it's very little um uh, to to towards the search for the answer um and and believe me i i say this with full compassion because i was that person who was very devoted to oh my god everything's wrong you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) it took a long time and effort to to not do that so much and it's you know, I achieve it in varying degrees, right? You know, we all still have to work at it. Right, right, sure do. Um, you're very open about this. You know, we we met online, and I know you've got the the ayahuasca talks podcast. Is that what it's called? 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah so in, in being open and out there and, and discussing these things, have you felt any pushback from people in, in your family, friends, the business community that, that is kind of a demonstration of, you know, some of the stigma that is still out there on psychedelics? You know, um, it's surprisingly been not that bad. Um, so as you know, I've had this sort of uh, continuing connection, dialogue, teaching, and yeah, it, it took a lot of urging for me to do this, to come out. And, and before I did the, the radio show, which became the podcast, I, I gave a big, long talk and basically shared a lot of the things that I just shared with you, some mm -hmm. of them anyway. Um, but the general, you know, the yeah. journey. And I was just in a state of like absolute panic and, and just did not want to do this and was back in this like, no, don't make me, you know, you can't make me do this. <laughs> just horrified at the idea of launching into this, going so public, like, you know, and planning it all myself, you know, so our booking the hall, promoting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, writing the talk and giving it and, and letting ayahuasca have the last panel of my talk and my presentation, and just dictating what it's saying to me. And it was just, it all seemed like a horrible nightmare. It's like, I was just so not wanting to do it. Really? And this, yeah. Oh, it was horrible. It was, I was terrified. Like I, I had stage fright, the whole business I knew. Yeah. And that's what's kept me from singing you know, and, and it's, it, it does, it, it wants to force you outside of your comfort zone. And boy, yeah. was that outside. And anyway, one night, well, good for you. And well, it, they, they did help. So one night yeah. they gave me this heart opening experience again, outside of the medicine, I experienced this beautiful heart opening. And all I could think of was everybody wants to feel this. There's not a person on this planet that doesn't want to feel this way. Mm. And and it was so beautiful. And all I could say was, please let me feel just a teeny bit of this when I'm on that stage, you know. Mm. And it it ended up doing like really well. Some things went wrong. There were filming hiccups, and yeah, someone had to use a handheld cam, you know, <laughs> to yeah, film yeah. it. But uh, it, it worked out so well. And then, which made the next part not as hard, you know, the whole radio show thing and. But I was guided yeah. all along the way. Yeah, you got to do this. You know, like it felt like, you know, that bird being forced out of the nest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's spectacular. I wonder, I wonder what uh, ayahuasca has in store for you next. I wonder what lessons are going to come and, and deliver to you next. Well, because I've been so vocal about my experience that has a lot to do with, you know, tapping into this guidance. So many people have come to me. Um, you know, not only about depression, but about tapping into that, that inner wisdom. And I actively went about trying to discover what kind of tool that I could offer a people that was, that respected the whole shamanic process, you know, the, the shamanic um, wisdom that teaches us that we do have the answers inside of us. And give ourselves some more credit and, and discover that power within, which has been the ongoing theme from the beginning for me, mm. teaching about, yeah, you do have it in you. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, I stumbled across hypnosis and uh, originally worked with someone else to help people, you know, re-experiencing ayahuasca and other altered states through it. Um, 
and then I went and studied it and started to, you know, augment it to help people to journey and to, we can do this without medicines. We can continue that work and honor the experiences we've had by, you know, discovering how they connect with us. It wouldn't be possible if we couldn't do it on our own and we can. And so people do, and they've been having like all kinds of interesting insights and breakthroughs. And it's amazing when I work with people and they discover that they do have these answers within them. And that's what I do. I, I, I help people not only, you know, with hypnosis and integration, um, but just with personal growth and healing and yeah. Wow. I just using hypnosis and, but the medicines really want me to continue to speak. And I think the next level is going to be to allow this voice that speaks to me to come out and speak to everybody else. <laughs> nice. I love it. Well, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. You've had so many good things to say, you know, here today. Um, you know, I, I love the hypnosis thing because it, it's something that has been ringing around my mind is tapping into that level of understanding and consciousness without the medicine. Because you hear stories, you know, for anybody who reads about Ram Das, you know, you read about his story and, and giving a, a vial of LSD to his guru and, and it having zero effect on him. You know, and you ha you hear stories of other people getting to the this space without medicine. And I think you said something really key is that if it wasn't there for us to access, then, you know, the medicine wouldn't help us. And because it does help us, there, it must be available to us in other ways. So the fact that you found it with hypnosis is just incredible. Yeah, same is true of knowledge and wisdom. It wouldn't ring true to us if we didn't have that in us to make yeah. that connection. You know, that's how we know it's true. We feel it. And we start to respect our feelings and our abilities so much more through these medicines. And um, they're, they're very hot on this topic of, of what we're capable of with me and many others. This just seems to be, we all have our themes, you know, and we mm -hmm. all have our unique personalities and, and they, they use that in really beautiful ways. And uh, when I started to auto write, um, they asked me actually in many ceremonies, <laughs> put pencil to paper and do this really, we want you to. <laughs> and then, um, and the story started coming out, like um, beyond auto writing, it was like they were dictating a story to me. And I started, I put it up on my website, Story of the Keys. It's all under the category of ayahuasca wisdom. Um, because I started to, you know, share with people what these dialogues were like and the things they were telling me. And then finally they took over and said, okay, this is what, you know, it was almost like this is the answer to every question you're ever asking. <laughs> you know, you guys all have the power and here's how it is. But it comes through in a voice that's not my own. You can see my writing on my website and what it's like. And then you can see this. And it's this old medicine voice that talks in metaphors about keys, meaning our power and how we give it away and how what we can do with it. And, and it's not me, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's them. Yeah. Wow. And that's, and the website is RebeccaHayden.com. It is. Um, and, and there's very, like a very small bit of this writing on there, uh, the story of the keys. I'm still writing it. Um, I need to get back to it and finish it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. I'll, I'll definitely uh, put a link to that. A lot of good stuff there. So um, anything else, you know, you wanted to get out there before we wrap up? I wanted to ask you about, now you had shared this story with me about um, your son passing and about mm -hmm. you 
pursuing psychedelics to heal this. And my question for you, uh, because I've dealt with people who are grieving and, and I've had my own experiences, my father passed. Um, mm. And, you know, I'm, for me, and I think many, 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 many others, we're starting to see that that veil between people who, you know, seemingly die and, and the experience we're having is not as, you know, firm as we perceive it. And, and I'm wondering, did you ever have in the medicines a connection with your son and feel like you were with him again? No. Um, it's a complicated answer because there have been close calls. There was a time with mushrooms when I felt him coming and I described it as like a, a light coming from an infinite point away. And when he was coming to me, I felt overwhelmed and I said, I'm not ready. And as soon as I said, I'm not ready, it stopped and it receded back and I watched it. So it was coming to me almost like moving slowly at the speed of light is the way I describe it, is the way it was coming toward me. And then when I said, no, I'm not ready yet, it receded much more deliberately and slowly as opposed to a, a very fast thing. It was a very slow recession. In which uh, And that whole experience shocked me because that was the whole point of me starting this. And so I felt very disappointed, like, why the hell did you do that? That's what you wanted. Um, and then there's been other experiences involving Ian with some of my journeys where there was somewhat of a connection there. Um, not necessarily a, a direct communication with his entity, but some kind of, some kind of presence that I don't know what, what the presence was, but there was a feeling one was with ayahuasca and I, and I felt like almost like I was in his body, you know, for a little bit, it was really a strange feeling. Okay. Um, and then one other, I don't know if I can say this publicly. So somebody who knows all about survival of consciousness, I was having a, a talk with this person and just a general talk about consciousness and what they study. And at the end of the conversation, he abruptly said, basically, I have something to tell you. And I said, okay, what is it? And he said, you can see your son again. You can, you can communicate with your son. And he said, you just have to be ready because until you're ready, his presence will overwhelm your brain. So he has to know that you're ready and when you're ready, he will show up. So that's kind of been my experiences with psychedelics and with talking to certain people and um, my understanding. So that's, I guess that's my answer is uh, maybe a little bit, but not completely. So how long ago was that, 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 that was said to you? That was said to me maybe a year ago. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, this when we first talked, this was just such a persistent question. So my question to you is, uh, if you're open to it, we can certainly work on that. Um, so I've had uh, clients, people work with hypnosis, people who've never even done medicines, because um, you can use hypnosis to, it's just a way to get into this deeply relaxed state where we're open um, and mm -hmm. surrender to what's possible to communicating with that deeper part of ourselves. And um, I had a, an old family friend whose mother passed away and she, she connected with him and her, and it was in her sleep, but 
this is great because it's when we're in a state of full surrender too in our sleep and and it's yeah. i mean this is we we've, we've heard about this for years and years people connecting with loved ones they they show up for them in their in their dreams and my dad did for me it was funny actually because um he showed up and it was so real like i could feel his skin through his t-shirt as i hugged him hmm. it was just all of these like little details uh, were so so physical so real and i was so excited and he was trying to tell me something and i was <laughs> too excited to listen you know and i'm like oh my god you're really here oh my god this feels so good da, da, da. and he kept saying we got to go and talk you know and and i just kept freaking out in a mm. happy way and yeah. then i woke up the next morning and went oh shit i blew it you know he was yeah. trying to tell me something and i missed it so i went in the next night and uh and i got the message uh without him but yeah because they could tell that i was just too distracted by the fact that it was so real and he was there and i could be with him that i couldn't get the message because i just wanted to be with them you know yeah did he come back and deliver the message to you or did he leave the message for you to find it no i um, my guides delivered it in other ways like other it 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 presented itself in in other okay. ways um but the thing is that i think i needed that i needed to hug him i needed to connect with him and feel his happy presence and know that he's fine mm. Mm -hmm. Same thing is true of my my old family friend. She needed to to and there's guilt like when when people die when they're you know all kinds of circumstances. There's so much guilt around it and so much uh, really deep hard feelings around it. You know we we feel mm -hmm. like we should really be able to you know save our loved ones. But this goes back to the self responsibility and and something that we're still you know we're finding our feet with right. So she had concerns about the choices she made for her mom, you know, mm -hmm. when she was ailing. And and anyway, we worked with together with hypnosis, and finally, you know, and we talked about this opening up in before she went to sleep in her dreams, you know, to ask to see her mom, and her mom did show up, and she said, "I knew it was her. I knew she was fine, and I feel much better because she was just grieving." And you know, you know, it takes over your life, and. It's there in varying degrees in different ways, and and yeah, so it's possible. Hmm. And I think there's a reason why it was just like really persistent in my head when we first spoke. So, um, yeah, if you're open to it, and and, yeah. and feel out how you feel too, you know. Yeah, we should explore that. I know my wife has has explored that with uh, different people with without any without any significant results so i know we're both open to to looking at that so uh, yeah afterwards let's uh let's talk yeah yeah let's do that and you know just for everybody else to know i mean uh, a lot of this stuff may seem terribly esoteric but um you know i think that we have all heard at one point or another that we only use this small part of our brain well guess what <laughs> we're losing mm -hmm. We're using how, more of it. We're learning how to do that, and it is possible. And <clears throat> I guess it shouldn't be surprising to us that when we start to do that, we discover just how much more uh, capable we are of of connecting deeply. Of uh, you know, one of the things this voice always teaches me about the importance of our thoughts is that they're not as opaque to others as we might think. There is a certain conscious level that we're mostly operating on where we believe that we can't pick up on those things with one another, but we do feel it and they do have impact with one another. And so it's important to be aware of that. 
and then to harness the power of it for good, you know? Yeah. Be aware of what you're focusing on and your feelings attached to that. Doesn't yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's a great, that's a great lesson. And, uh, so many great lessons in all this, Rebecca. I, I just can't uh, tell you how grateful I am that you came on and, and shared your story um, from from depression through Iboga and ayahuasca and the fact that ayahuasca is still with you and how you've uh, really tapped into this consciousness. So wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. That concludes this edition of the Stone Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.